Fantastic. Well, let me just add my voice. Happy Father's Day. Guys, happy Father's Day. And, uh, and if I could say welcome to Father's Day Trinity style, in that um, last week's message would have made for a great Father's Day message. And this week's message perhaps would make for a great Mother's Day message, um, because last week, if you weren't here, um, preached Titus chapter 2 as it relates to the older men, and this morning, on Father's Day, we'll be preaching as it relates to the older women, all right? So that's how we do things at Trinity. Um, It's just how the preaching calendar landed, and uh, so we're just going to say to you dads, happy Father's Day, and we'll get to it. We'll get to the word. Um, that's what we're here for. So I do want to um, just a couple, couple things. First of all, um, as it relates to preaching to the older women, it is a privilege to preach this morning. Um, it is a privilege to preach this passage this morning. And uh, it, is, it is, how do I say, it? it's no burden at all. It is a total, complete joy to do so. Um, Last week, last week goes down. If you weren't here last week, um, we would just encourage you to to go back and to uh, either watch it or listen to it on on our website or on our YouTube page. But um, just to have some context, uh, go back and please listen to it. But last week goes on my short list of um, one of my most memorable Sundays in 27 plus years at Trinity. I mean, it was just, it was a funny thing because night before, I've got way too many notes and uh, spent a good deal of time Saturday evening just cutting and cutting and cutting and waking up the next morning and cutting and cutting and cutting some more. Um, and that's just hard and it leaves you maybe with a sense of, uh, at least last week, a bit more unsettled and unsure um, of, of what I didn't cut, what's, what's still on the page. Uh, and it was just an amazing week last week, and I want to just thank the ladies how you amend through the sermon, um, not out of a sense of digging at the men, but out of a sense of, and you can feel it in the room, of just encouraging the men. And you guys, uh, as we called the older men forward, it was just a bit overwhelming to see that crowd, literally that crowd of men, and who I would count both as my friends, but just godly men standing in front here. And then the spontaneous response from you, the church, was just a wow um, Sunday. So, grateful for that. Uh, I know this section addresses the older woman, women. You know, last week I was able to say, hey, old man, (laughs) I won't be doing that this morning. (laughs) I won't be doing that, especially because when I was saying, hey, old man, I, I mentioned to you that it's... The scholars would put the old man at 50 and older, of which I am one. And so I was calling myself, hey, old man. But I won't be doing any hey, old woman um, comments this morning. Um, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> um, 
But I do want to encourage the men, and I want you to as well be free to amen um, as an encouragement uh, to the ladies. And I want to encourage the young people. Please don't excuse yourself from the preaching of God's word this morning. Um, You might think, oh, this doesn't relate to me. Oh, it will. I promise you, just continue to live. It addresses you. And the time to be addressed in texts like this is not necessarily when you're of a certain age. It's, It's actually now. Be a humble young person who leans into these moments where you, you might be thinking, well, that's 20, 30 years down the road. Um, it, it might be, uh, and if the Lord tarries, you will one day be there. So learn now. Um, and so I encourage the young people in the room as well to amen as we're going through this. So it's not a Father's Day message, or, or maybe it is. In a roundabout way. Perhaps one of the best ways to honor dads is to preach what's so near to all of our hearts as dads. And that is moms and wives and daughters. And so Paul's burden here in Titus, and if you're new this morning, we're preaching through the book of Titus. Let me just make a comment on that, and then I'll give you Paul's burden. We preach through books at Trinity We do so on purpose. If we didn't preach through books, I dare say we'd ever preach Titus. We maybe, I don't know, if you've ever heard a message from Titus, my guess is you've probably heard a portion of the passage that we're going to preach this morning. It's it's kind of the go-to text often in churches to speak to the women and encourage them. Um, But I wonder if you've heard anything beyond that. Well, if you've been here in Trinity, you have, because I think we're week four or five. Um, and we're going to just continue to walk through this, because we need this letter. More on that in a moment. Here's Paul's burden. He wants, us, he wants to ensure that the church in Crete gets things put in order. That's chapter one, verse five. That takes place through teaching what accords with sound doctrine. That's chapter two, verse one. But he doesn't want doctrine to live out there or simply up here. Doctrine is to function and is to permeate into every area of our lives. Doctrine is literally to land in our living rooms. That's the text that we'll be preaching this morning. Let's read the text. Would you stand with me? We're going to back up. We're going to begin in verse number one, and we'll read through to verse number three. But as for you, Paul speaking to Titus, as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. In our text this morning, older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to too much wine. They are to teach what is good. Father, we ask for your help this morning. We ask for your presence this morning. God, we thank you for the, the, the dads. Lord, thank you just for the honoring that's taken place this morning. I thank you for godly dads. I thank you for what we heard last week from your word. And Lord, I thank you for the elderly women this morning. 
Lord, and I thank you for your word, how it addresses them as well. Thank you that you don't go around the elder man or the older woman, but you address us. You speak to us. Your word is, 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 is our very life. So God, help us. Help us to submit our hearts to your word. Help us to put ourselves under your word this morning, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Just have a couple points for us this morning, similar to last week. Um, decided to limit the sermon this morning to just the older women and verse number three. So point number one, older women likewise positioned for influence. All right? So you have been positioned for influence. That's what is taking place here in this verse. Older women likewise, says the text, or yours um, might say, in the same way. I like the phrase, older women likewise. And I want us to mine that nugget for all the gold that's in it, for the glory of God. What is Paul saying here when he says, likewise? Likewise, what? Well, there's four things, at least four things for us to note in this likewise. First of all, the umbrella over the text is verse one. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. He then addresses the older men. He then says, likewise, elder, uh, older, elderly women. And he's exhorting Titus here to teach what accords with sound doctrine. And we need to see how the text flows in chapter two. It is the sound doctrine that is to flow down into the lives of older men, into the lives of older women, and then young women, we'll hear next week, and young men. And doctrine, in essence, what's gonna happen is it's gonna, it's gonna literally land in our homes. That's what Paul is getting done here. The umbrella of the text, the umbrella over this word likewise in verse 3 is sound doctrine in verse 1. In other words, let's be careful not to run to verse 3 and skip over verse 1 in what you're being called to as older women. We've been pounding that nail literally for weeks. Doctrine is to function and it's to land on our couch it's to land in our cars. It's to land in the doctor's office. It's to land in the midst of our suffering. Charles Donahue says this, the primary objectives of the kingdom approach of disciple making include knowing, understanding, and applying God's word to all of life. The kingdom model does not separate faith and life as though that were possible. It focuses on integrating God's truth into all areas of life. And because of that, it is not merely an academic information or intellectual concept. The kingdom model applies to, serves, and ministers to all areas. So driving this section as it addresses the older women is sound doctrine. Don't hop over that. And ladies, if I could say to you, don't shy away from that either. Ladies, Love your Bibles. 
Be students of your Bibles. The Bible here, older ladies, is directly speaking to you. Love your Bible. Love your doctrinal truth. Allow those truths to function in daily life. And if I could say that is what we want, broadly speaking, in everything about Trinity. We want, we want doctrine uh, brought to the children in the children's ministry. We want doctrine at resolved. We, we want doctrine. At, that's why we offer equip classes. That's why it wasn't announced, but it was in the loop. There's another ladies' Bible study coming. That's why we want these things. We want sound doctrine at Trinity. And we shouldn't just assume that that's just going to land in our laps. We've got to be students of the word. Second, notice what the text doesn't say. Paul doesn't tell Titus to do this role of discipleship. All right, verse three, older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to too much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may be reviled. We'll preach those next week, but hear hear what Paul's not instructing Titus to do. It's not that Titus's preaching and teaching wouldn't be a means of discipleship to the younger women. It certainly was. But there is this life-to-life, this face-to-face call being issued here to the elderly women. Women ministering to women is what Paul's speaking of here. Praise be to God. We have some amazing, godly women at Trinity. Thank the Lord for that. Amen. That was that was a little that was a little soft, guys. That was a little that was a little soft, guys. Uh, wow. Praise be to God for that. But here's the thing, ladies. The call that's being issued goes out to every one of you. Not a few of you, but all of you. All of you. Now, Titus is a pastor, and as a pastor, he's discipling. That's, that's verse 1. But Titus's discipling is going to look different than Paul's instruction to the older ladies discipling. How they're going to disciple in verse 3 is going to look different than how Titus is going to disciple in verse 1. And I just want to make a couple points here. Ladies, your elders here have a discipleship role. Thank you, ladies, for sitting under the preached word of God. This is, this, is, this is a way that we disciple all the body. Thank you for being a part of equip classes, and thank you for being a part of community groups, and as I said, Bible studies. But ladies, verse 3 discipleship, well, it flows out of verse 1 discipleship. Okay, so when I say that, I mean your discipleship of ladies flows under the umbrella of verse 1. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. It is the sound doctrine that puts you ladies on the same page with your elders. 
okay? We, we work in tandem. We are partners in the gospel of Jesus Christ in our efforts to disciple young women. And so you and I ought to be working in accord with each other is what's going on here because we're working from the same book. We're operating out of the same manual. It's gonna look different. Your discipleship of ladies will be life on life. It will be face to face. And my discipleship will be through preaching. Mine will be in groups and larger contexts. Yours will be personal and relational, face to face. But yours ought to flow out of a sense of ours. Okay, verse one, verse three. When I say ours, I'm talking about the elders here at Trinity, meaning it should be consistent with who Trinity is, meaning the doctrines of grace that matter up here should matter out here in our lives together. The priorities of what we preach in those sound doctrines should be priorities in our lives. So in other words, it's not, it's not a text that, of course, Paul was not saying. He's not, he's not um, issuing a call for ladies to go rogue. To just kind of, we're just going to kind of wing it. Or even, it's not even a text, really, that's, that's you know, not driven by your personal preferences as a mom. It's a text. It's literally driven by the sound doctrine in verse 1. It is um, wise that Titus is not to be the person to do this one-on-one discipleship, life-on-life discipleship. So Paul here isn't saying, Titus, do this. He seizes this moment to draw in the women into this discipleship program of the church and specifically the elder, older women you are called to this, okay? Three, likewise. This character, character, character. Just as the section about elders in chapter one, just as the section about older men that we preached last week in chapter two, so this section about elder women is about character, character, Um. What does this section say about the older women's woman's gifting? Answer is nothing. It's not what this is about. All right, we'll say more on that a little bit later, but character. Number four, this is nothing new, but it is amazing. Okay, this is nothing new, but it is amazing. The Old Testament spoke of this well though it didn't address men and women separately, I think it's good for us to remember nothing new here. Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We won't take the time, but read it later. Psalm 78 as well. And so last week, I made this comment, we live in a day 
of false teachers, of scandals, of, of lies, and we, of broken lives. We, we live in a day of unqualified pastors, sexual misconduct among leaders, and all of this and more could be avoided by paying attention to this one tiny letter in the back of our New Testaments. Value this letter. It is, the, it is the very word of God to us. It is because this letter has been so ignored that we have the downfall of the church and the downfall of the leaders, and we need this letter at Trinity. Amen. It's amazing. Consider he has just addressed the older men and then he immediately turns to another group in the church and he addresses the older women. That's significant, ladies. You're not skipped. He doesn't go end around you. He addresses the older women. You're not, a set, you're not set aside. You're not giving some diminished role. See the importance of what he's talking about here. Scripture here is showing quite the opposite of a diminished role. It shows your value and your significance, your influence in the local church. And look at what he's saying here. It is so completely anti-Cretan. Take you back to our first sermon. But there's a Cretan culture. And I'll just say it, short version, it is so anti-American culture. 2023. It's a little bit of a lengthy quote, but stick with me here from Brian Chapel. He writes this, the simplicity of the plan may cause its profundity to escape those of us in modern society. For the ancient world, this was a very bold plan. For a man to teach women to instruct others broke societal barriers and elevated the status of these women. At the same time that he gives mature women new responsibilities, Paul places a constraint on the teaching of male leaders. At least two observations should be made about this pattern. First, Paul's words again affirm the importance of community contribution for mature Christians. The older women are not to hoard their knowledge, but rather should pass it on to younger women who need the advice of those with greater experience. Second, Paul does not tell Titus to teach the younger women, the young women. This non-instruction probably reflects Paul's concern that a young woman perceive her husband as the male who is her primary spiritual instructor. Paul also apparently desires to establish a pattern of instruction in the church that does not lead to sexual temptation. Older women are to have an influence and a teaching role in young women. And your investment in young, godly women will literally land and affect living rooms. When I say that, I mean it will literally land and affect families. And when it affects families, it affects the church. It doesn't stay in a living room. It goes to church and it affects the church and it goes to the world and it affects the world. How completely anti Biblical it is to set the older women to the side. 
recognize that. Recognize the significance of what's being said here. How crippling to the health of the family, how crippling to the health of the church to set the older women to the side. I'm not making this up. I'm not trying to spin this up and try to prop you ladies up. I'm literally just talking about what the text is talking about. Likewise, you. Now, culture parades in front of you, ladies, the young and the beautiful. And as it parades them in front of you, it says, you know who the influencers are. Not you. It's the young and the beautiful. It's the one with the most social media followers. Culture says, let's all be taught by them. Let's model our lives after them. They are clearly successful and their lives are all so put together. Just look at them and how clear it is. They are literally called in our culture, the influencers. So be influenced, young ladies, by the Kardashians of the world. Find your significance from them. Get your identity from the person who clearly has so much influence out there. This is literally so book of Ecclesiastes. If you'll remember back to our series in Ecclesiastes, it's literally in the original language, the word hevel. It's this idea of I'm trying to catch the wind. The folly of trying to catch the wind. That's, that is completely what I just described. Young women, do not follow the latest TikTok influencer. Follow the older godly woman. Pursue her and get all that you can from her. She is a wealth of wisdom. She has made the mistakes. She knows her weaknesses. She recognizes her failures. She's real. She can guide you. And amazing, she's available to you. What a benefit you have being a part of the community of God what we call church. How countercultural is this? God bless the old woman influencer in the church today. That's the wisdom of scripture. It's not the wisdom of, of culture. It's very similar to what we were preaching last week, ladies, where culture seeks to dismiss you and replace you and tell you that you're done. Scripture says, no, you have a teaching discipleship, ministry, influential role in the church today. Now, now, now think about this for a moment. The foolishness of culture, the wisdom of Scripture. All right, the foolishness of culture. I'm going to follow all that is, what is that? What is, what is the influencer today in culture? Is that reality the wisdom of Scripture. Because she's young and she's beautiful, that's going to be my, that, that's the depth of influence. The wisdom of Scripture. She's lived. She has something to offer. 
the young woman. So don't buy the lie of culture. Step back and see scripture, not culture, actually makes perfect sense. There's nothing about culture today in the things that I'm describing that makes good sense. And this is how doctrine is to literally land in our living room. And ladies, it's not going to look like the world. It shouldn't look like the world. Because what lands in our living rooms literally comes from the very words of God. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. And it's beautiful. And it's to be embraced and cherished and loved and pursued. Yes, chapter one, the role of the elder, we preached on that, is to be male. It's a major issue this week in the Southern Baptist Conference. It's a huge issue. But that said, let's not take Scripture further than what Scripture takes. Meaning, we don't want to suppress the woman's voice it's odd, it's odd, isn't it? When, when Scripture elevates the voice of the, the woman, that's what's happening here, the church needs to amen that. The, the church needs to find that. The church needs to mind that and recognize in the wisdom of God, he included verse three, older women likewise. So God help us. When Scripture elevates the voice of the woman, the church needs to amen and support that and encourage that. When Scripture gives women a voice and a position of influence, let us see the wisdom of Scripture and let us amen that role. Now, I'm aware that a power-hungry man can abstract pieces here in Titus chapter 2 from these verses and use these very words and abuse it. As men, we can abuse our role. We can, we can even abuse it and call it leadership. I realize there's a thousand landmines in two verses this morning. Yeah. Be careful. <laughs> and next week as well. A couple quick thoughts. One, know the problem doesn't lie with Scripture. It lies with sinful man <laughs> who abuses Scripture. In other words, Scripture's not the problem here. We don't come to this and go, boy, this has really created a lot of problems, so let's skip that and jump to chapter 3. We need to mine it. Help us, Lord. What man does with Scripture is the problem. Scripture is not the problem. Number two, we don't need to excuse Scripture or explain it away. We don't need to explain away the clear teaching of Scripture and pretend to make it say what it doesn't say. To do so is not wise. Number three, we want God's opinion of things and not man's. Man's opinions have created slap, slappy, happy people. All right? If you haven't seen it yet, it's available on Amazon. It's a doc, what did I call it? Shiny, slappy, happy, shiny. I did see it. All right? So, slappy, happy. I even put it right here in my notes, so I read it right, you know, but it's just wrong. Well, I didn't create those either, <laughs> slappy or shiny. This man. So my aim is to simply teach what's on the page and keep my opinions out of it. 
ladies, and you men as well need to hear these verses preached because we all need a conviction about this likewise, this position of influence. Ladies, please feel free to push aside my opinions, but where God's word speaks and speaks so clearly, you can't push that aside. Submit to him. See it as his word in your life. Mine it for the benefits that he intends. Older women, do you see what God's word is literally saying to hear and so clearly? And do you believe it? Do you believe God's word at this point? This is why you need to be a student of the word. It's why chapter 2, verse 1 is so important. It's why I keep referencing it. That you might then be able to do verses 3 and 4. So where culture dismisses you and puts you to the side, Scripture actually positions you. Who will you believe, culture or Scripture? Who will you submit to? Now, because you're going to hear more about submission next week. Submission is not a bad word, okay? Um, Bad people do things with, with words. But submission is not a bad word. It's a biblical word. And it's amazing how some think, I'm not submitting to anyone. I reject submission. I will not submit to my husband. I will not submit to scripture. Realize that while you're not submitting, you're submitting. We're all submitting. Your non-submission is in itself a form of submission. We all submit to someone or something. In other words, you can submit to God and the wisdom of God, or you can submit to culture, but all of us are submitting. And the person who rejects submission to God's word while saying, I am my own man. This goes for the men too. I'm my own man or I'm my own woman. You are submitting yourself to culture that's telling you, don't submit to him. Don't submit to this. So welcome to the submission party. All right. So we are all submitting to someone. The question becomes, am I a Cretan submitting to culture, or am I Christian submitting to Christ? And the sooner we can recognize this to be true, the sooner we can get to be about submitting to the wisdom of God's word, which is then a benefit to our lives, and it glorifies our God. So, likewise, Paul says, like what? Like who? Like the older man, ladies, you're not done. Your role is not finished. You have a role, you have a function, a position, and it's a big one in Scripture. You're to be a teacher, a discipler. You're you're being entrusted by God to disciple younger women. That's significant. Likewise, or in the same way, meaning not in a lesser way, in a likewise way. What a role you play in bringing health to the local church. I want to say to you ladies, Trinity needs you. We need you. And we want to say to you ladies, you ladies that have some age, we honor you. We respect you. And we say to you, we need more of your character and your influence to bear on the life of the church, not less. Ladies, you are positioned by Scripture, positioning you for influence. And this verse makes obvious the importance of relationship. Ladies' Bible study, it's going to have a different purpose 
than, say, community group or, say, different purpose than an equipped class, but all of them are blanketed in a desire to build something relationally that we might be able to practice this life-on-life discipleship with one another. There's no way you can do this verse at a distance. There's no way you can do this verse and say, you know what, I just don't like the church. I just kind of fed up. I've been hurt. I'm sorry you've been hurt. But there's no way you can submit to Scripture at a distance from his, his body, the church, his bride. Some of you have taken yourself out of a position of influence. Scripture puts you there. Secondly, this second point will be a lot shorter. I think I'm running long. Okay, so secondly, it's a person of character. So it's a position of influence, and it's a person of character. Think again. Okay, so chapter one, the elders. It's all about gifting, right? No, we made that clear. It's about the character of the man. Chapter two, the older man. What did he address? Gifting or character? Well, surprise, character again. Again, chapter two, older women, gifting or character. Ah, it seems like there's a theme here. What God is after in the hearts of men and women is their character. It's not to say there's no gifting. It's just to say we tend to emphasize gifting over character. And we we get ourselves in trouble when we do. It's a funny thing. We emphasize the gifting. What's your gift? What's your gift? What's your gift? And a person can literally be so gifted at something, and the problem becomes when the next person who's not so gifted at that same thing goes, well, I'm just not gifted. That must not be for me. But Scripture here just looks at the character of the woman, not the gifting. It isn't about, are you gifted to disciple young women? It's about, do you have the character to disciple young women? And the response, where character is lacking, whether that be last week or this week, the older men or the older women, where character is lacking, and it is lacking in all of us in different areas, is that we might get after that that we might then disciple the young man and the young woman for the glory of God. God is more concerned about your character than your gifting. We think, wow, so gifted, so gifted, so gifted. I'll take myself out of the text, thank you. No, all are being called here. Every older woman who follows Christ should be crawling into this text. We don't need a few extraordinary gifted women at Trinity. I'm not looking for a few. I'm looking for a many. <laughs> we need a many. We need an army of godly Older women influencing, discipling, spending face-to-face time with the younger. Crowd of women. God, give it to us with character and who understand sound doctrine and who are willing to live life next to a younger woman. And so it says here, with reverent behavior. Here's the character. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior. This is the only time this word appears in the New Testament. 
So I needed scholarly help on this one. Every scholar kept saying the same thing. It carries the sense of a priestess. And so I'm going, wait a minute, what? I was confused. Priests were not females. So I'd go to the next, same thing. Go to the next, same thing. Go to the next, same thing. What I learned is that scripture is saying this reverent behavior, she is to be a woman who I'll say, quote, practices or is about the presence of God. How countercultural is this woman? How non-Cretan is this woman? She is reverent. She is a God-honoring, godly woman. Give us that woman at Trinity in abundance. Lord, help us and let her teach, let her influence the younger women because her heart is so near to God. She so desires to honor God. She is priest-like in that she is to be set apart in holy honor of God. Ladies, you belong to God. You are a woman who is to be fully yielded to the Lord, honoring God, desiring God, worshiping God. You are like Anna in Luke, who in her old age went and she what? She waited at the temple. And we're told she was a prophetess. And then chapter three, verse 37, and then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and praying night and day. What a woman. As I said last week to the older men, I say to the older women, come to the prayer meeting and lead us to the throne room of God's grace. Take us there in your humble cries to the Lord, your humble confession of sin and a humble recognition of your weakness and your frailty, but come and lead us to God. This is reverent behavior, not a slander, it says meaning you guard your words, you control your tongue, you're not a gossip, your speech is building up rather than tearing down. Satan is the false accuser. You, being reverent, seek to reject his ways. Instead, you seek to encourage, you assume the best in other young ladies. You are quick to use your tongue in ways to protect. You use your words to build rather than to tear down. You're not a slanderer. Next, you're not a slave to much wine. She not only controls her words, but she, she controls her appetites. Similar instruction we heard last week about the older man. She is not to be a person who's given to this. How else can she do what she's being called upon to do? Older men, older women, this slavery to much wine neuters your ability to influence for godliness. You're given to, or you're a slave to something other than your God. If you are a man or you're a woman given to too much alcohol, then not, the answer is not, well, I guess I can't. I guess I can't serve in these sort of ways. That's not the answer. That's not what the Bible is getting at here. The answer is stop, repent, get in the game of building the church for the glory of your God. Well, number three, older women likewise, purpose in life. You have a purpose. It ends here. I'll end at the end of verse three. They are to teach what is good. 
And in a culture of scandal and immorality, you are to be a different kind of woman. Your character of life is to be in and of itself a teacher. And so are your words. Interestingly, sometimes women push away the very women that you are called to teach. Because with youthfulness, sometimes comes folly and poor decisions. And sometimes as older men and older women, we forgot the folly and foolishness of our younger years. The young woman who comes to your door pregnant doesn't need to be shown the door. She needs to be cared for through your wisdom of years that you have gained in the mistakes and the failures of your own. And if that wasn't your issue, a humble recognition of grace that has kept you from that being your issue. Rather than the self-righteousness and older womanly disdain. Frankly, it's what the church is known for. This teaching may not be behind a whiteboard. It might not be in the women's ministry meeting. But what is exactly women's ministry? Biblically biblically speaking, is it when all the women come to the building and we say it's women's ministry time? Well, yeah, but that's not. It's not this. It's life on life. It's face on face. This teaching happens as life happens. It might be play day at the park with the kids. It might be at the beach or at the cafe, but it's life together. And it's intentional. The worship team would join me. I want to address for a moment the young ladies. We'll have more to share next week. Young ladies, humble yourself. See see the advantage you have in being part of a godly community with godly elder women around you. Get with them, spend time with them, learn from them. Older ladies, your influence is to be seen literally in the world. Verse 5, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. When it says there, the word of God not being reviled, that's, that's among the Cretans. I submit to you that your influence over our culture is much more deliberate Sometimes more quiet than you might first think. Your voice is heard by the grace in which you live and do life. And the grace by which comes to your living room. And the example that you are to a lost world. A lost world that's grasping for answers. Doesn't know where to look. Amongst the broken Many broken young women in our world. You know what's needed from you older ladies? It's not a clever social media meme. It's not what the world needs. It needs Titus too. 
But once again, as we said last week, this is all driven by, motivated by the grace of God. Verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age. It's driven by grace. Secondly, it's driven by the second coming, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ, Jesus Christ. So Lord, we pray, would you help us? Would you help us last week, this week, next week? Lord God, help us to see what you've called us to. For the glory of your name, we exalt you. Lord, where culture pushes aside the older woman, Lord, your word wisely positions her for influence. So Lord, help us, help us so very practically as a church and individually, Lord, to, to, to recognize the wisdom of the word and the folly of our culture. Help us to see where we've bought in to culture. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Let's stand together, church, sing, respond.